thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Thank you all. It's great to have uh, people here today. And uh, we've got to start, haven't we, by saying he is risen. And the Anglicans amongst us will say he is risen indeed. Yes, in Maine. Yeah. I love the way we say it with such enthusiasm and excitement, you know. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll there'll, there'll be opportunity, Francis, don't worry. Okay. So it's great to have you with us. For those of you who are joining at home, welcome as well. A couple of notices before we go anywhere else. You don't have a church service without some notices. That's what I was brought up knowing. And boy, did my dad do the notices. But anyway, sorry, Dad, if you're watching. Anyway, a <laughs> um, couple of things. First of all, the Zoom prayer room after the service. Um, we're not going to do that today. So obviously, the people in the building, it's not really relevant to you. But if you're at home and uh, you wanted to access the Zoom prayer after the service today, the logistics of it are going to be a little bit difficult. So we're going to work on that so we get it right. Um, and so that isn't happening today. But also tonight, uh, the Zoom prayer for tonight is also not on for this, this evening. So that's the first thing. Uh, I know some of the house groups, connect groups are doing socials. So if you're a connect group leader and have had any questions, it's because I know all of them apart from one that I've not checked with. Well, I'll check with you. Now, are you doing the house group or are you having a break? I can't tell through the mask. But anyway, I'll speak to Tim later. But I've not done any questions because I know that there's a break. But if you want some questions, then please feel free to ask and I'll see what I can do. Um, no birthdays today, but it's great to welcome you here, uh, those who've booked in. It was fully booked. We have actually uh, managed, I have actually managed to set out around 73 chairs today. So we have got the potential, even without moving the chairs at the back, to fit at least 70 in. But at the moment, we'll stick to 50 because it's safe. We want to do it right and we don't want to abuse the system and uh, bend any rules. Not that we would be bending rules, but uh, welcome. If you've not been and want to book in, then please book in. You can now book in for every Sunday uh, at the same time. It'd be a shame if today it was full and then the other Sundays there was 20. It would be a shame. So get yourself booked in. Come and do church. You know, don't think, oh, I'll let somebody else have a turn. Because actually, if you've been too many times and somebody desperately wants one, then I would say, can we, can we do a switch? So please book in. Don't think oh, I'll leave it for other people. Just, just so you know, I went on a, a COVID safety course and the, one of the churches on there, they said, because there must have been three, four, five hundred people, and um, they said they book in and if someone doesn't turn up, they ban them for the month for booking in. So that's a bit scary, isn't it? We're not going to do that. Don't worry. We're not that harsh. But um, yeah. That's all the notices today as far as I know, but welcome. Get booked in, come and join in and be a part of church. And hopefully as we reach towards the summer, things will become a little bit more normal, we hope. So great. Who's had chocolate for breakfast this weekend? Anyone? Yeah, a couple of people. Well done, Johnny. Yeah, it's great. Um, 
I had it on Friday, I'm not going to lie. And somebody said to me today, they've not seen me in the flesh. There's a rumour, isn't there, that the television cameras or cameras add pounds of weight to you. So people watching at home have obviously thought I've still been really fat, but actually someone went, Johnny, you've lost lots of weight. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking a bit slimmer. So if you see me running home from church later on, don't run me over. That would be good. But there's an opportunity this morning, on this Easter morning, to have a bit of call and response, Okay. And also, it'll keep you awake and alert. It'll keep you listening. So, you know, even those children amongst you, if I say, he has done it, I want you to just go, yes, or amen, or just a response that's enthusiastic, okay? So we've got some, you know, we've got some Nigerian uh, people in our house today. Guys, don't become English. Please don't become English, okay? Please be enthusiastic. Let's get the English amongst us to become Nigerian, okay? That's what we need. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, if I say, he has done it, yeah, it doesn't have to be coordinated either. We just want joy, joy, because today, he is risen. The tomb is empty. The tomb, you, you can't go and visit the remains of Jesus. You cannot do that. He has done it. Now, we're getting there. I'm going to keep you on your toes, Okay. Now, as you know, I quite like sport, and I'm not going to major on sport, but there's been some very famous moments in commentary of sports over the years. From one very famous one, they think it's all over. It is now, okay? Well, in Easter, they think it's all over. It wasn't. They think it's all over. It wasn't finished until actually he came back and rose again. Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman. I think I was too young to remember this happening. I think I wasn't even born at that point. But the commentary says this. Ali was on the ropes. He was down. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be knocked out. And that was going to be the end of him. And the commentator said, suddenly Ali looks tired indeed. In fact, Ali at times now looks as though he can barely lift his arms up. Oh! He's got him with a right hand. He's got him. Can you believe it? And I don't think Foreman's going to get up. He's trying to beat the count and he's out. What a turnaround. What a comeback. Ali wasn't going to have a chance. The next thing you know, poof, and he won. Today is about the greatest of all comebacks because Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, you, you responded to the wrong bit, but that's fine. I, want enthusiasm. I don't care where you respond. Respond at any point. That's great. All of them came back from defeat, but my favourite bit of commentary has to be when Norway beat England at football. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but this commentary, the Norwegian commentator, Norway in the 80s, I think it was, or late 70s, knocked England out of a World Cup qualifier, and the commentator went on like this. This was the Norwegian commentator. We are the best in the world. We are the best in the world. We have beaten England 2-1 in football. It is completely unbelievable. We have beaten England. England, birthplace of giants. Lord Nelson, Lord Beaverbrook, Sir Winston Churchill, Sir Anthony Eden, Clement Attlee, Henry Cooper, Lady Diana. Don't know where he got all the names from. We have beaten them all. We have beaten them all. Maggie Thatcher, can you hear me? Maggie Thatcher, I have a message for you in the middle of your election campaign. We have knocked England out of the Football World Cup. We have done it. That was the message. But today the message is, he has done it. We're getting there. We're becoming a little bit less English, but it's still a little bit English. Hurrah. Okay, let's try and get you know, a bit more raucous. 
Today, we've been going through the Psalms. We've been doing a series on the Psalms, and it's the soundtrack of our lives. And you might think, well, it's Easter. We need to, we need to divert. But actually, today we're going to look at a Psalm, which is known as a, a, an Easter song. We're going to look at a Psalm, and we're going to connect it to the Gospel of Matthew. The verses will come up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, we're going to be reading from Psalm 22 and Matthew's Gospel 27 and 28. So keep your fingers in those. But we remember that that tomb is empty. He has done it. It is finished. It is dealt with. It is done. You're doing great, guys. Come on. We're going to be, all those people who are not here today who join us once we're a bit, they'll be like, what's happened to the people of Spring Mount? I'm not going to read the entire psalm today, but I'm going to read a few sections. So I'm going to start with just verse 1 of Psalm 22. And it's a bit of a lament. So don't get worried. Today's a joyous day. But it does start off with a bit of a lament. Psalm 22, verse 1, David writes this. This is hundreds of years before Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Jolly start to Easter Sunday. Does it sound familiar? Yeah? Well, let's look at Matthew 27, when Jesus is on the cross, that Good Friday, from noon, verses 45 to 46 of Matthew 27 says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus hangs on that cross and he quotes from the Psalm 22 that we read, David's Psalm. And as a good Jewish boy, he would have learnt many of these Psalms. And those that were in earshot of it would know exactly what Jesus was quoting. They would know what he was saying. David in the Psalm is going through a really difficult and gut-wrenching time. He's in crisis. He's in a situation where he feels that there's no escape. And he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus on the cross experienced something the same. A world of darkness and pain, when actually the world was good and light. A world where things were happening that shouldn't be happening. The feeling of being abandoned. And Jesus felt that abandonment. If you feel like you're a bit lost or you're a bit lonesome, Jesus has been there. Jesus has been before. And he knows what it feels like. He knows that feeling. And Jesus carried the weight of the sin of the world. He carried the punishment for all mankind forever. And he was cut off. Do you know, it's sin, that stuff. It's an old-fashioned word, but the stuff we do that goes against what God wants is what it means. And actually, Jesus carried that, and it's that stuff that separates us from God. It's a bit like the picture you might have seen where there's a, a man here in a tunnel and God here. A man can come and go as freely as he wants between him and God through the tunnel, but then he just chucks rubbish in the tunnel and blocks up the tunnel so he can't get through. And it's that sin, it's that rubbish, that stuff in our life that cuts us off from God. God's trying to get near, but we've dug trenches, we've put up walls, we've built barriers, and we've put obstacles to say, God, I want you to keep your distance. Jesus had never been distant from the Father. Jesus had never been cut off from the Father. He was without sin. He had never been in that situation. They were one. They were united until the cross. 
And we look to that Friday and we see that it's a dark day. It's a day of loss. It's loss of light in the middle of the day. It's separation. It's pain. It's anguish. Maybe some of you this morning, we're saying Happy Easter and we're looking at this joyful day, but many some of you this morning know what it's like to be sat in that pain, to be sat in that anguish, to be sat in that division and to be struggling. Jesus experienced the same but on a greater level. In, David, in Psalm 22, David cries out and says, why are you so far from saving me? God feels distant. And as Jesus cries out the same words hundreds of years later, it's during the very thing that means we can be saved and we can be saved right now. David, God, why are you not saving me? Jesus cries it out and says, today, I'm saving you. Today, I've done it. Today, it's paid. The psalm goes on to say, Psalm 22, verses 6 to 8, David writes, But I am a worm and not a man. He feels a bit bad about himself, I think. Yeah, He's not, not got very health self-esteem at this point. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. That's what David writes. People mocking, people shaking their heads, people saying, let God save him. He's God's man. Let God do it. If God's so powerful, God will reach in. And again, in Matthew 27, the scene of the crucifixion. Sorry, we're jumping around a bit. Verses 38 to 44. Two rebels were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. Sound familiar? And saying, you you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come on down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Can you see the similarities? It's quite incredible. What a prophetic psalm. Not pathetic, prophetic. There's something though, isn't there, about the shake of a head? Yeah? Something about the shake of a head. I know there are some parents in here and there's some children in here and watching who a simple shake of the head can do scary things, can't it? Yeah? Yeah, children, kids? Yeah? If a parent goes, there's something about that, isn't there? Something about that. Peter, I'm sure you're still scared of your mum. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if Hilly looks at Peter... With the, yeah, yeah, he's doing it back at me. That says, I'm going to not look that direction. It can sum up a lot of emotion, can't it? A shake of a head. It can sum up everything, you know. Here's an example. Car cuts you up on the road. Yeah? But you get to the set of lights and you park next to them. You know, you can sit there and go. And they know. Or you might have done it to somebody, they've done it to you. And it's worse when you do that and they drive off and you realise they've got a, a church sticker in the background and you think, oh, oh dear, I shouldn't have done that. A bit of a calm stare and a shake of the head can make people feel quite paranoid, can't it? A bit of silence, a bit of a, 
uncomfortable, isn't it? That's what David was talking about. Jesus and David were being mocked. They were being insulted. They were being tormented, ridiculed and doubted. And people were shaking their heads at them. You said you, you, said you were God. You said you were the son of God. Come on, prove it. But Jesus was proving it because he was dying so that we could be saved. He was dying so that we didn't have to be punished. He was taking the weight of sin and saying, yes, I've done it. Come on, you've forgotten. Anyway, it's interesting, isn't it, to see the people mentioned in these verses, those verses in Matthew. Because you might think, well, it was just the criminals. It was the, it was the really naughty people. You know, it was the really bad people who were mocking Jesus and giving him a hard time. Well, actually, we see the criminals that are being punished for their crimes either side of Jesus. They were doing it. One of them eventually recognizes Jesus for who he is. And Jesus says, today, you've got to be with me. Because he recognizes Jesus. The criminals being punished, they have a dig. You know, maybe it makes them feel better to torment somebody else. Have you ever been through that? You know, oh, I'm not as bad as that person. Makes you feel a bit better. Or maybe you sort of say, well, you know, I might have done this, but oh, look at him. You know, you know, you know I, might be, I might have eaten five Easter eggs this morning, but oh, he's eaten six. You know? We sometimes compare, and we often blame or we deflect, don't we? It makes, the, it makes us feel better, perhaps, to torment somebody else, even when we go through our own pain. And they tormented Jesus. They compared and they condemned. You know, in the middle of a time where we can be suffering, maybe we lash out. Maybe sometimes we blame. Maybe sometimes we compare. Maybe sometimes we do it because it takes our minds off what we are going through ourselves. Or maybe it takes our minds off the things that are secret that we know we're doing. But Jesus has done it. Thanks, Steve. I know I can rely on Steve. Come on, everybody. Be more Steve. There's an advert for you, isn't it? We'll do that. Springmount Church. Be more Steve. No, be more Jesus, actually. But anyway... Then after the criminals, it's the simple passers-by, the men on the street, the average Joes, the people walking past start shouting abuse at him. They have a go. So you've got these really bad people, you've got the average people, and then it's the chief priests, not just the priests, the chief priests. Not just the, the lowly priests, the important ones. It's the teachers of the law, people who are supposed to know what's right and are supposed to know who the Messiah is going to be. They have a dick. Three types of people, actually elders in the church, supposedly older and wiser. They should know better. But even they throw the boot into Jesus. See, it doesn't matter who you hang around with. You will have people who will want to insult you for Jesus. You'll have people who will doubt and say, what a load of rubbish. You'll have people who doubt it very much. Do you know, we will face opposition from people of all different walks of life. We will face opposition from people of all different backgrounds. But do you know, he's done it. It doesn't matter who brings the abuse. What matters is who paid the price. What matters is who has done it. Jesus has done it. We'll get in there. I'm going to do it more often just to keep you awake. I hope you're all doing it at home as well. You know, don't think you can get away with it. I'll be checking out. We'll do Anton Deck, put cameras in your TV so we can check, but no one. Well, that, that sounds like a bit of a scary state, but anyway. But from the rebellious criminal to the top of society, everyone has a dig at Jesus, the Son of God, the very man who came to save. Everybody. 
But even so, Jesus carried on taking the punishment. Wow, this psalm is one of anguish and agony, but it looks forwards. It still looks pretty dark at the moment. But on Friday it went dark, but we know as the saying goes that Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. Friday it looked bleak. Sunday is coming. Let's carry on. Psalm 22. And I promise you, I think this is the last bit where it's a bit dark and gloomy. Okay? Psalm 22. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot's herd. Google it. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. This is David. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. That's really important. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Back to Matthew. Matthew 27, verses 32 to 35. As they were going out, this is Jesus with the cross, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. That's very bitter, very bitter tasting, not good for quenching the thirst. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had him crucified, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. What a connection there is here between the psalm and Jesus, what he did for us on this Easter Sunday. This week we've had April Fool's Day, haven't we? Yeah? Did anyone get caught out? No? Yeah? I told Joel our internet was down for the day. The look he gave me was like, what? And I I was very quick to say April Fool before he realised. But maybe sometimes it's hard to know what to believe on that particular day, isn't it? It's hard to know what's true. Somebody can come to you and tell you something. You're like, oh yeah, April Fool, April Fool. It's like, no, 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 seriously, seriously, it's true, it's true. You know, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny is entering the Olympics. It's not, that's not true. <laughs> but one story, for example, that was published on April Fool's Day a few years ago was listening to dubstep or electronic music, particularly Skrillex, was really good and would stop you from being bitten by mosquitoes, okay? And apparently that was true. But they published it on April Fool's Day. So obviously nobody's going to believe it, because it sounds ridiculous. But it was true. It's hard to know what to believe on that day. You know, Jesus was being mocked for being a king. Jesus was being mocked and tormented and insulted for being a king. And yet actually... He is the King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. He is the one who is worthy. What are the Psalms all about? God reigns. God is over it all. That's what the Psalms are all about. You know, people didn't believe Jesus. We see that in this passage. People didn't believe him. So it's no surprise there are still people who sit firmly in the atheist camp. And maybe someone watching today, you've come from that background. There was a a very uh, eminent professor who tweeted on Friday, who is an atheist. She tweeted this. Now, she tweeted it with really bad grammar. So actually, if you read it how she tweeted it, it said this. Just a reminder, dead people don't come back to life. I don't know if it was an instruction 
Like, you know, dead people don't come back to life. She was a bit scared of going through her local cemetery, maybe. I don't know. But what she was saying was, just a reminder, dead people don't come back to life. She was taking the mickey out of the Jesus Easter story. Let me, somebody tweeted back this. Just a reminder, that is exactly the point. That is exactly the point. Just a reminder, dead people don't come back to life. Well, they don't. In fact, actually, even if you looked at modern-day medicine, that actually isn't completely true. Footballer Fabrice Muamba was, was dead for 78 minutes, but actually is now walking around okay. But from the point of view of Jesus, that's the point. Dead people don't come back to life. But can you show me where his tomb is, where, the, where I can visit the bones? Can you show me where his remains lie? You can go and visit Lenin lying, I think, I think you can go and visit Lenin's remains. You could go and visit the grave of many people, but you can't visit the body of Jesus because he's done it. He's done it. He's not there. Because dead people don't come back to life. That is exactly the point. Jesus isn't just any old person. He's God in human form. Jesus was the son of God. He was the one who came to make a way, to clear away the rubbish so we could get back to God to stop the stuff disconnecting us from God, to unite us back with the Father. Just a reminder, dead people don't come back to life. No, they don't, but Jesus did. If it was as simple as something else, what's the point? Jesus beat death and he beat sin. He has the victory. He has the victory. David in the psalm mentions about having his hands and feet pierced. You notice that, yeah? That was written before crucifixion was a thing. The Romans weren't around doing what they did at this point in time. David writes about something that he doesn't even know about. That's amazing. I think that's incredible. Piercing hands and feet. He writes about people gambling for clothes. Jesus couldn't have made that happen. <laughs> this was the enemy being, getting caught out. It's all in the psalm written by the shepherd king of Israel and fulfilled by the king of kings of the whole world. Written by the shepherd and fulfilled by the king of the planet. So, let's end this Easter morning with a bit more brightness from the psalm. Because all of a sudden, David goes from being anguished and crisis and in agony to a total change. There is a total transformation and it happens just like that. That's I like Tommy Cooper. Psalm 22, verses 22 to 28. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. He's not given much reason to praise, has he? I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly before those who fear you. I will fulfil my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Wow. Suddenly there's a change from darkness to light. There's a change from anguish to joy. Suddenly there's a change. It's about praise. It's about rejoicing. 
it's about a different mood from being desperate and hopeless to calling everybody to praise him for who he is. Not just Israel, you notice. It's not just the, the Israel nation. This is the ends of the earth. Everybody can praise him. If that doesn't talk about Jesus, I don't know what does. Everybody can praise him. And we see this in Matthew in the Easter day. Matthew 28. I'm sorry I'm reading a lot, but I'm trying to go fast because I'm aware. It's just exciting. Because he's done it. Yeah. Get excited. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. This wasn't a normal experience. Just remember, dead people don't rise. This wasn't normal. These soldiers were professionals. They, if they lost the person they were guarding, the punishment was death. So they wouldn't have just allowed someone to come and steal the body because they would die. The angel said to the women that went down, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said. He'd already told them it was going to happen. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, you would be, yet filled with Joy. What a transformation. These women were going to mourn. They were going to put perfumes in the tomb to stop the body smelling. They were devastated. This man they'd followed for three years, this man they believed was the one who was going to conquer it all, that he died. They go to the tomb and they come away filled with joy. Why? Because he's done it. It's empty. He's not there. He's not there. And then suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, it's like bread, drummer bread. <laughs> Greetings, Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. They went from woe to worship. They went from mourning to massive joy. That's what Jesus can do. Why? Because he's done it. That is the cry of the cross. He has done it. Say it with me. He has done it. Before Jesus breathes his last, what does he say? It is finished. What's finished? His life? No. The punishment for sin. It is finished. The pain was over. The suffering was past. The price was paid. But for us, as we look at the empty tomb and we can say, it is finished. It doesn't happen. It's not an everyday occurrence. It's not natural. We have a God who reigns. We have a king who returned. We have a savior who redeems. Bold claim. But the evidence is overwhelming to those who seek it. The evidence is there. David in the psalm goes through crisis and looks forward to an event that will cause all to praise God. And will open up a way to all nations, you and me today. Whoever you are, God says, come, because I've done it. I've dealt with the pain and suffering of sin. And one day there'll be a place of no pain. 
He has done it. But as I finish, have you acknowledged it? Do you recognize that Jesus is risen, that he did it for you, for me? Do you know, this Easter can be more than any previous one because today you can have joy even in the midst of pain. You can have joy even in the midst of darkness. Even if you're lamenting, we can know a hope and see a future provided. David saw a future provided. He saw a future that he didn't know anything about. But he saw the king and he saw the cross. The psalm finishes with these words. Verses 30 to 31. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. It's me and you. What did they declare? He has done it. Yes. Done. Today is a celebration of all that Jesus did and continues to do. Easter's not just for once a year, you know. We celebrate Jesus every day because without him, we can't do it. But with him, he's already done it. He's already done it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning and I thank you that we can celebrate and we can be together again, even in these ways. Father, I pray that for anyone watching at home or anyone listening today who has never dealt with that mess of rubbish that separates them from God, today, God, I pray that they will consider again the empty tomb, that they will say, Jesus, if you've done it, I want to be with you. Jesus, if you've done it, I want to trust you. It's a simple saying yes to him, accepting who he is. So Father God, I pray today that you will just come as you promised by your spirit, that you will fill us afresh, that we can say with joy that you have done it for me and you can do it for anybody in your precious name. Amen.